I I want to um, I'm going to begin recording, um, but like I said, I, I'm not going to um, put you guys on YouTube. I always make sure it's just my my recording um, in progress. My 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 side of the video. I just say that because I, I know how people get their camera shy and stuff. And um, <clears throat> but nevertheless, I, I want to talk to you guys today. Maybe we can get our Bibles and then turn to. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> I don't, I just have some verses, I don't really have anything particularly scripted, um, and so I just allow the Holy Spirit to lead this, uh, this teaching today, but I have um, a theme that I do want to focus in on, and um, it's really concerning false teachers, um, and and I think this is okay for me to speak about this, and not only because, of course, it's biblical, but secondly, um, I, I don't. Yeah, this is actually the first time I've ever spoken about false teachers, and the reason why I'm cautious, I tread cautiously on these topics, because I never want to be like the people that I that annoy me. <laughs> right? They, they, their whole ministry is built off exposing people. Their whole ministry is built upon witch hunting. They're heresy hunters. And see, an employer wants to give his people real money. The purpose of an employer is not to keep identifying false money, right? If false money comes, he's like, oh, dang, I didn't know how this false $100 bill had gotten in, you know, in these checks, but away with that but you know the purpose though you know the reason why the bad is so bad is because it's a counter from the good and so our primary focus should always be on the good and not the bad that isn't to say that there isn't a point in uh, a point in time in which we should focus on the bad to some extent identify its characteristics and so forth you know <coughs> however the greatest way that we identify the false is not becoming so familiar with the false, but we're so familiar with the real and the genuine that the false is easier to identify. Because if, if we spend most of our time identifying the false, see, the devil's good at fabricating new strands of falsehood. He's always manufacturing new cults new belief systems. And so if if our primary goal is to stay up to date with the false, we're always going to be at a loss. We have to be so familiar with the real that when the false comes, then, you know, it's easier. Now, with that said, I want I qualified by saying all that. I do recognize that there are some good ministries like for example, for example, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Dr. Walter Martin. Um, he wrote a book called Kingdom of the Cults. It's a classic. I love him because he passed away, but he was a very graceful man. He wasn't a heresy hunter, but he made a wonderful contribution to the body of Christ through that book. And it's been referenced and it stood the test of time. It's called Kingdom of the Cults. If you're ever interested in getting a really good book on cults and the occult, he's definitely a, uh, um, an authority in that area that you definitely want to refer to. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I recognize that um, Paul says, "Beware of of 
human philosophy built upon the traditions of men. But I can't be aware of something that I am not first aware of. Do you see that? It says that in Colossians, beware of human philosophy. But I can't be aware of something that I'm not first aware of. And we have to be aware of of the infiltrating doctrines and the the false brethren. Um, as it says in the Greek, Greek uh, pseudo-Delphoi, the, the false brothers or... Well, Delphoi, Delphoi is uh, plural, so it can refer to sisters or brother. And so pseudo-Delphoi is basically anyone that's false. Um, but with that said, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And first, I want to make reference to the genuine. And then we'll take a look at some of the false. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll begin at um, <clears throat> verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Um, I know that this is a familiar passage because we've referenced it a number of times. Uh, but be it as it may, um, we're going to take a look at it again. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And uh, it, it's uh, it should go without saying, but this is the word of God. And this is the, this is the standard of... This is the criteria. This is our, our basis for faith and practice. Um, <coughs> excuse me, my cough is still lingering, man. It's crazy. Um, but I say that because there's a lot of people today, their faith is built upon feeling. And it's not built upon truth. And Christ is the truth, right? He didn't say, you know, I am a way and all the paths lead to God. You know, he, he didn't he didn't subscribe to Oprah Winfrey's doctrine. Right? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And truth by definition is exclusive. It excludes all the other paths. It, it says that you can't go in down any other path. Jesus is the way. He is the door. Any other man is a robber and a thief. Right? <clears throat> So verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So I just want to take a quick stop there. Paul is urging them. Um, it is it is sufficient. It would have been reasonable for him to say, I charge you. And in some cases, he does do that. He's, and what it means to charge is, I am literally commanding you to do this. You don't have an option. When Paul told Timothy... I charge you in the presence of God and the elect angels who will judge the living and the dead. He says, preach the word in season and out of season. In other words, Timothy, you ain't got an option. And we don't really like that today. We don't like a minister saying, I charge you, do this, right? But that's that's exactly the, the assignment that Paul sees of himself. Now, I get it. To qualify, to always balance things, There there are tyrants in the faith. There are people that are dictators and their their domineering of the flock that that's that's bad but Paul is saying look this is a command of the Lord this isn't my command this is what this is what Jesus says right and so therefore do what Jesus said and on the strength of whatever Jesus has commanded I therefore have a basis to say you must do this now I, I can't tell you like sister Julie I charge you to cut your hair seven inches 
I can't say that, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? You know, I remember, you know, because Kezron is wearing a hat, right? And so I'm, I, it reminded me of one time I brought this dude to church, right? And, and the guy, he's like addicted to heroin, right? He's addicted to heroin. He's trying to get off of drugs. And I'm bringing a lost sinner to church. And I remember this is the first church I'd ever attended. They were very religious, had to get the suit and the tie. They thought beards were sinful. I'm like, bro, haven't you read in Isaiah where it says they plucked his beard? Like, I don't get it. And, but he, they, they have the audacity to tell me to tell him to take off his hat. I'm like, heck no, I ain't telling him to take off his hat. He's trying to overcome heroin and you want to be religious. It's like, come on, man. It, Jesus says, clean the inside first and then the outside will come. And you're trying to tell him, clean the outside. And, and first of all, uh, I don't it's, they're not even trying to tell him to clean the outside because there ain't nothing dirty about wearing a hat to begin with. Oh, go ahead, brother. You wanted to make a comment? I had a problem like that myself. I came to, um, to a church with a Jesus hat on and they told me to take it off. Man, they had me look mad. You got women up in here with the Mexican sombreros on their head, but I can't Yeah, it's it's um it's religious. And I remember another time I brought um I remember the same church. Um it was the first church I attended. I was only 18 years old and I I remember my first year. I'm not lying, I'm not trying to boast or anything. I was just so on fire that I wanted to bring everybody I possibly could. I brought about around 50 people in the first year. 50 people and uh, <clears throat> by the grace of God but I remember bringing these two girls who were also one was addicted to meth and the other one was just like a pothead right and so they're they're drug addicts right and so and I, I remember first of I remember number one they were kind of looking at me weird because you know I, I drove them to church and I understand people, they want to be concerned about you. It's like, you know, a brother bringing two worldly lost females. I get it. I get it. I understand. But at the end of the day, in my mindset, I was like, I don't care. They're drowning. You can get mad. You can get upset. You can think what you want. But I know before me and the Lord what I'm doing. Right? And they had the audacity. The usher told me to tell them to spit out the gum and I was like, bro, I ain't telling them to spit out no gum. Like, you know. <laughs> and I understand. I understand that we want to be respectful and we don't want gum to get on the floor and stuff. But look, man, <clears throat> what I've learned is that they're on a shaky foundation. The last thing they need to be told is just something. Forget telling them things. Unless what they're doing is dangerous, just leave them be. Welcome them. Make them feel warm. Make them feel loved because they'll remember you. Um Remember someone said people don't care? No, no, no. They, they said uh, um, people will all, won't always remember what you say, but they will remember how you treated them, how you made them feel. And remember, they don't have the Holy Spirit to speak truth to them. So if they get offended, they get offended, and the devil's right on them. And the devil might even be in them. You know, you get what I'm saying? So 
we have to be very careful when it comes to lost people. Um, they, they've already been beat and abused, and so. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sorry for rambling on. My point, though, is that Paul is saying, "Look, I, I command you to do this," and he's not telling them to do. Uh, he's not tell, he's not commanding him to do uh, man-made things, man traditions. He says, "Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace." <clears throat> this isn't my main focus, but I want to interject real quickly on the, uh, on verse three. It's a command to make every effort, not some efforts, but every effort to maintain the unity of peace. So, you know, you know the word heretic, right? Heresy, heresy is like false doctrine. Heretic is someone who preaches false doctrine. You know that term was originally coined uh, to refer to those in the church that were divisive. And were factious and created divisions. It wasn't even necessarily concerning doctrine. It was any person who may have had sound doctrine, but had such a, an abrasive character, such a divisive character that it created division in the church. And those people were referred to as heretics, because the unity in the body of Christ wasn't an add-on or something that was optional, it was the thing we must maintain. Right? Not at the expense of losing truth, but if truth is intact, then we have to maintain the unity of peace. And so if people are always going against the grain, always provoking, uh, provoking the group, always dividing the group, always um, uh, 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 separating the group, then there's something wrong with that person. And it's showing that they're not united with the body of Christ. It's like a cancer that wants to keep infecting the body. Right? Um, and so, anyways, let's continue. Verse 4, there is one body. There's not several. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. Now, Here's where this passage is often misunderstood. Like I said, I want to quickly focus on the, the, the genuine and then we'll get to the false. But typically people are thinking at this point, you know, the gift of prophecy or the gift of discerning of spirits or the gift of healing. But in context, Paul lists none of those gifts. And so is he referring to those as the gifts? Or, And I'm not saying those aren't gifts, but he speaks about those gifts elsewhere. The gifts he's talking about here are ministers. And so that's why he says in verse 7, <clears throat> but to each one of us, who's the us? Well, it's it, he's first of all including himself in there. He says grace has been given. Well, what is grace needed for? Right? Be On the strength of God, Christ's grace to the church, he gives gifts. Wherever you have grace, you have gifts. So if God has given you a gift... Paul says, why do you boast of it if you did not receive it? Right? So gifts are on the strength of God's grace to the church. And so the the gifts that he gave to his people were the ministers. 
right? Those are the gifts to the church. And and that's why Paul says, he says, I, I hope to come to you in the full measure of Christ's grace. When he longed to go to those in, in Rome, he says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, right? So the gift is residing in Paul. And that's why he says, do not neglect the gift that was given you through the laying on of my hands. Right? I'm quoting Bible here. So, grace is given to an individual. That's why, and notice, what is this all in the context of? One body, one spirit, one God, one faith, one hope. So, one, 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 unity. So, what connection does grace and gifts have with unity? Or one? This. Not everybody has the same gift. Therefore, God has done that purposefully so that we might be interdependent upon one another. So you can't say, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So God purposefully leaves you with an absence of certain strengths that I only can complement. And God leaves me with an absence of strengths that only you can complement. Why? Because as we come together as a cohesive body, we're all functioning for the self-same purpose of glorifying God and building up one another. So that's why the whole, I don't need you, or I'm, I'm going to go do this by myself, is a demonic lie. And I'm saying that not uh, uh, exaggerating. I'm saying that in the complete truth. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Not the desire of the body. And so that's why I get that the church ain't perfect. And if the church is entirely corrupt, then you leave that church, right? If it's completely corrupt. But for the most part, when someone always is saying, oh, this, that, this, that, and and they just end up becoming a lone ranger, then you can tell all already that Satan has infiltrated their mind. Because the fruit of their decisions is leading to isolation. And that's not what God purposed for each other. Right? (coughs) But he says, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers... Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. So let me just stop there. What does that imply? So if, if, if I said that I gave you gas to fuel your car so you can drive it, what, what would that imply if you did not have the gas? That your car ain't getting anywhere. So if God has given these ministers to equip the people, guess what, what, what will not happen? They will not be equipped. So God don't give something so you can avoid it. Oh, hold on. Is my internet acting up? No? Okay. It's it's probably um, Kezron's. Recording, recording <clears throat> in progress. So, um, so God doesn't give something to the church so that you can do without it and still accomplish the purpose anyway so once again if i said i gave you gas so your car can start that doesn't mean that 
you can avoid the gas and your car will start anyways. So if God has given ministers for the equipping of the saints, then that means the saints won't be equipped if there's an absence of ministers. And um, let me me say this, and uh, just real quickly, and I'll move forward. Um, While it is the case that without ministers, there's a body, there's an organism, it's living, if all those people that are present are in fact the people of Christ. However, it's not the body in accord with the design that God has purposed for His church. So just as much as there are maybe children present within a household, that is not the design that God had purposed because He wants there to be parents. And so, um, in the same way, um, how, did the, how was the church birthed? By Christ, but then the twelve apostles. How was it that Israel was led by judges in the time of the judges? How was it that Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem led in the time of King David through a king? Right? And so God has always instantiated leaders. And so it's it so that's why when um people who have never learned from a leader and I don't want to, and I don't, I don't focus on this too much because I know that there's people out there that do talk about this too much, and then it becomes an abuse. But I want us to safeguard from both abuses. Here's the abuse of a democracy where the people rule the church and the leaders have no say, and they dishonor leaders. And then there's the other side where the leaders become dictators and the people's voices are completely absent. They, they can't ever say anything. And so we want to avoid both. We don't want either in the church. We want healthy leadership, but healthy um, sheep. We want both because that's what honors God. Um, and so um, ministers are given to equip the people for works of service. So God wants us to serve. He wants us to have a, a working heart, right? Um, <clears throat> so we don't want to hide our talents. Uh, following verse, to, uh, not the following verse, the following clause. Um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So what does that say? That he wants us built up. That's the same word for edified. That's where, you know, and gifts edify one another. That's why the Bible says that prophecy edifies. It comforts, exhorts, and edifies. Um, Teaching edifies. Praying in tongues edifies. So when you're praying, Jude chapter 1 verse 20, we are praying in your most holy faith, you're built up. Right? So we want to be built up. And that's a term that's used... In the Old Testament as well, because we're we are a building, we are a temple in the Lord, and so we're laying brick by brick by brick. But before we do that, we have to make sure that the foundation is set, right? And what is the foundation built upon? I know this gets some people in trouble, but on the apostles and the prophets. <coughs> That's why apostolic and prophetic ministry is so important because they help to lay foundations. You see that? And anyways, I, I can say a lot about that, but I'll leave it there. 
Um, so that's, again, that's why apostolic and prophetic ministry is so important because they're foundation layers. And you have some people that are um, pastors that are trying to operate in an apostolic grace and it's not happening. That's why, as a consequence, the body of Christ is, is left defected. And that's why, or, or a teacher trying to do that job. And so what happens is they're very orientated around teaching, but some of these foundational issues are not there. They're not intact. And so as a consequence, the body of Christ suffers. <clears throat> but um, Nehemiah, he was building the temple. And you know what's interesting? In the book of Ezra, if I'm not mistaken, in the sixth or the ninth chapter, the Bible says, in accord with the prophecy that uh, Zechariah and Haggai had given, the people were able to build the temple. And so that's what prophetic ministry helps to accomplish, is to help the people to build the temple. And we are that temple, right? And so that once again, that just goes to show and reinforce that ministers are, um, they have the blueprints, and they, they are the ones that help to facilitate the construction of this building. And so ministry, so these ministers are for the purpose of building up the temple. Not with hay, straw, but as Paul says, with gold, silver, and precious stone. For the Lord will test every man's work and to see if it will abide. If it abides, he shall see, receive a reward. But if it doesn't, it says that it shall be burnt up and he shall be saved as by fire. So he's, he, he's, he's going to be saved as by fire. In other words, scarcely. <clears throat> but so... Ministers are given to build up the body of Christ, to equip them for works of service, until we all reach the unity of the faith. And so ministers are helping to uh, uh, foster unity. Unity. Around what? Around around um, a man-made agenda? No. Around an institution? No. Around this. Around the knowledge, uh, around the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So ministers' uh, tasks are always to continue to point to the knowledge of the Son of God. You know, and we'll talk about the false and the counterfeits here soon, but the greatest sign of a false prophet isn't a false prophecy. And this, I tried telling some dude who thought he knew the Bible um, he's all, oh yeah, false prophets are the ones who utter false prophecies. I'm like, bro, you, um, anyways, so I said, so can witches and warlocks get accurate words? Oh, 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 I don't know. Well, yes, they can. And, um, and let me actually show you in the New Testament, the Bible talks about that in Deuteronomy, that even if the word that they spoke comes to pass, but says to you, come follow after our gods, right? So the, 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 what it's recognizing that it's possible for someone to give you a, a word that's true about what you've done, who you are, your phone number, your address, all of that stuff, and say, hey, come follow after our gods. Okay, or here's another thing is that they don't point to Christ, right? 
And so what? how do we identify as false prophets is that they never point to the Son of God. They never point to Jesus. They never are, are, are grounding you in the faith. It's all about uh, that person or it's all about this false God. <coughs> That's right. With this recent testimony of this ex-saintness, um, it wasn't about Jesus. The Jesus that it was about wasn't the Jesus that we serve. Right? He spoke of Jesus, but he's speaking of another Jesus. You know, that Jesus said that he didn't need forgiveness from his ex-satanic lifestyle. That Jesus he's proclaiming, because he said that Jesus appeared to him and said, uh, you know, you don't need forgiveness. It was just your story. What do you mean you don't need forgiveness? What did he die for? You get what I'm saying? So this is a false Jesus. And so it doesn't matter if they're coming with love. Because it's a false love. It's not a true love. It's not God's love. You know? But um, so we see that they're they're here to um, so that we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So we want to arrive to maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 16, then we will no longer be infants. So in other words, ministers are here to help the body to move from spiritual infancy to mature manhood. Right? Um, Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So Paul is recognizing there's some people that will deceitfully scheme against you. So that you will waver back and forth. You will never arrive to maturity. And and it has happened in the day of, of the apostles. And it will continue to happen in our day. It happened in the day of the apostles. And it will continue to happen in our day as well. The purpose is is what and let let me say this and i and i say this with com, with complete sobriety and heart you remember what happened in the book of daniel when nebuchadnezzar's son had taken the holy artifacts of the temple and began to commonly drink wine and get drunk from them what happened the handwriting came on the wall he got shot he got shooken up became pale knees knocking together why because he was touching the holy things of the lord and so if that was true of material items how much more true is it for the temple of the living god when false teachers come in and begin to destroy his temple And you know how you destroy it? You destroy it with factions, with divisions, with false teaching and rebellion. That's how you destroy the temple of the Lord. And people typically think that when Paul says that if we, he says, you are the temple of the Lord. If any man defiles this temple, God shall destroy him. You know, he's not talking about smoking cigarettes. And you know what he was talking about in context is false doctrine. If you don't believe me, go back. It's in 1 Corinthians when he says, If any man destroys God's temple, if any man defiles the temple, how are we defiled? Paul talks, Jesus talks about leaven, leavening the lump. What is that? The leaven of the Pharisees is false doctrine. 
And what, because what does false doctrine then do? Lead to false behavior. And what does, what does false, what does false behavior equate to? Sin. And so when you start bringing all these false teachings and sin in the church, it, it then tears the, it, it, it tears the body apart. It ruptures the body. That's what it does. And so, now, can you see why it's true that James says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, for you shall undergo a stricter judgment? And Paul says, While they desire to be teachers of the law, they know not what they teach, nor of what they affirm. Right? And so, this is why you, you have a lot of Absaloms who are not called the kingship, but want to steal the throne from David. And say and then they'll stand at the gate and say, Oh, I wish someone was king of Israel who would bring judgment for the people of God. Hint, hint, <laughs> cough, cough. Right? I, I think I can. Right? When, but when David was anointed to be king by the Lord, so people want to move for prestige and power and bring judgment when it's all about bringing men after themselves and not after Christ, because this is the leaders we want that have the heart of David, that love God's people, that want to point everybody back to Jesus, to point people back to God. Look at the heart of David. says, oh, how I love your laws, how I love your presence, how I long for your courts, how I long to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to inquire in the temple of the Lord and to seek his beauty. That's not what we find today. We find promotionalists. We find everybody advertising, campaigning about this person, networking for that person, and it's no longer about Christ. It's no longer about Jesus, no longer about His presence, no longer about the people. They just become a number. God forbid that we should ever be that way. No, I, lo I love what Paul said. He says, I remember your tears. He even when he, he he writes to the Philippian church and he says he says, Of whom I now write in tears. You know, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, Seminaries can't teach tears. Have you learned the school of tears yet? Because a pastor who doesn't weep over his congregation is not a man worth following. You know, I love I don't know the man's name, but I read in Power Through Prayer where a man, um, his wife was very um, upset that he would intercede all night. And he says, oh, you foolish woman, don't you know I have many uh, people to give an account to before God? See, we've lost spirituality in the church, man. It's no longer about Christ. It's no longer about his people. It's all about gain. It's about uh, advancing. It's all about promotionalism. It's all about... Um, everything else under the sun than the simple basics of the gospel. and um, <clears throat> But we see that there will be people that come with craftiness and deceitful scheming. Okay? And so look at what he says in verse 15. Instead, so instead of deceitfully scheming and craftiness and cunning, <clears throat> It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him 
who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what do we see there? Instead of being these crafty, deceitful people that are bringing in false doctrine to prevent you from growing to maturity, he says, rather than that, we need to speak the truth in love. He doesn't even say just speak the truth. We must do it in love. Right? Because if the source ain't right, Paul says, you who are spiritual restore a backslider in the spirit of meekness. Because if it's not in the spirit of meekness, then it's not with the heart of Christ. And you can have the right words with the wrong heart and they actually backfire and do something worse. Right? And so we got to speak the truth in love and then take note of this. He says, um, if we do that, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. So if we continue to do that, we will become mature. Right? Whose body? Christ's. As Christ remains the head. Right? He's the head. But without the head, we have no direction. We got to be joined to the vine. We have to be joined to Christ. We have to be united in him. So guess what that means? It means submission to his ways. For if the body, if, if my body is not cooperating with my mind, then it means that my body is not in submission. And so, and, and this is why it's important. Um, this is why it's important. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the chain. It's the sheep, the ministers, then Christ. And I can prove that from the Bible. Hebrews chapter 13. It says, submit to those who have the rule over you. Who must give an account. Who watch for your souls. So the word uh, there for watch is overseer. There's three words that's used for um, a minister. It's episkopos, poimenos, and presbuteros. Presbuteros is an elder. So he's aged in the faith. Episcopos, it comes from the pre, uh, this Greek word. It's the prefix epi, which is a preposition that means about, around, concerning. And skopos, which we get the English word scope, that means sight. So it means to have sight about, around, or concerning something. That's where we get the word oversight. And so you, ha you can't see over if you're not above. Do you, does that make sense? If I have oversight of, of, of a prison, then that means I'm elevated to be able to see everything. Well, what elevates a minister to see over? It's the authority that Christ has given him. Does that make sense? Let, let, let me, let me uh, stop real quick. A prophet or an apostle cannot be someone who isn't an elder... Because that would mean that they're not aged in the faith. And Paul says, don't let anyone that's a novice or a recent convert become a leader. That's what Paul said. You can't have that. Lest they be filled up with the uh, pride of the devil and fall into his condemnation. Right? So they have to be aged in the faith. That doesn't mean you have to be 40 years old. And, and it's actually, you know, it's, it's subject to context. Someone might age really quick in the faith. Within the space of three years, as in the case of Jesus' disciples, right? Um, but, <coughs> overseer, <coughs> that word comes 
from the word episkopos, and words are made up of prefix and suffix, right? So if record, the prefix is re, re, that means to do again, and then cord, um, that's the suffix, right? I know I'm kind of getting into a little bit of English here, but uh, episkopos comes from the prefix um, epi, that means about, around, or concerning. And it comes from the Greek word skopos, which we get the English word scope. What do scopes do? You can see through them. It enhances your sight. So an overseer sees around, about, over, or concerning. But how can you see around, about, or over if you're not above? And when I say above, it doesn't mean that they're greater in value or worth, but it, all it suggests is that they're watchmen. And what do watchmen do? They're elevated by their post because they have to see for oncoming danger. Does that make sense? Amen, somebody? I, I... <laughs> amen, amen. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, 1 Peter. Um, it speaks about this, that leader, that the, the sheep are to submit to leaders, um, for they watch over your souls. They watch over them. And I understand that a lot of people, they don't like that today because it sounds too man-centered. It's like, what do you mean you watch over? Jesus is the watcher of my soul. And I get it. Jesus it watches over us. I understand. But, you know... It just is the way it is. I'm just reading Bible, and that's the way that God has designated it. You know what I'm saying? And <coughs> they're benefiting the body in some way, shape, or form, right? Um, now, um, because I've seen the downfall of this so many times. People who have said, like, I don't need all that. They end up being the ones that fall into sin. They ruin their lives. You know, they, they, make, they cause a bunch of havoc. Now... Look at though, it says, verse 16, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So, we can't grow if we're not joined. This is why, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as to get, uh, together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another daily as in so much as you see the day approaching. Right, so how can you be joined if you never join? It's pretty, it's pretty logical, right? How are you joined if you never join? If if I'm trying to run a race and my 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 knee keeps giving out, like bro, I can't ever rely on you. Where are you? Where were you when I needed you? Right? It's just I'm just being logical here. How can we legitimately be joined if we never join together? Right? And held together. So it's not enough to just be joined. We must be held. In other words, my my forearm isn't going anywhere from this part of my body because it's held together by this elbow right here, this socket, right? Because I want to accomplish the purpose. Maybe work out, maybe fight off an intruder, right? And if 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 this keeps dislodging and dislocating, like ah ah, <laughs> how am I ever going to accomplish the purpose? 
Ah, I sinned. Ah, there's nowhere to be found. Ah, I didn't show up for prayer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> These are cheesy, like, dad analogies. I get it, but <laughs> I think you guys get the point. <laughs> so, but you have to be held together by every supporting ligament. So you're a ligament. I'm a ligament. You're a ligament. And guess what? We support each other. So as long as we're supporting each ligament held together and joined, speaking the truth together in love in the head, we will all become mature. Right? Now, <clears throat> it says, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So every part has to do its work. So Mike, and so how does it do its work? As the ministers equip the saints for the work of service. So as the ministers help to equip you to... That's why prophecy is so important to prophesy over you so you know what the Lord wants you to do. Right? And that's why teaching... It's all important. Apostles go. Prophets guide. Uh, pastors... Um, what was the term for them? I know teachers ground, evangelists gather. I don't know if, if it was pastors groom or the pastors. But it, it's all using, you know, a letter beginning with the uh, words beginning with the letter G. And and the point, though, is that every, you know, we all have our, our specific things and um, specific tasks. But once you figure out what the Lord wants you to do, that means you got to get to work. Right? It says a slack hand tends to poverty, but a diligent hand makes rich. And so do we want wealth in the body of Christ? If we want wealth in the body of Christ, that means you got to get the work and you have to be diligent in it. You know, there's an absence of wealth when someone who isn't called to sing tries to lead worship. <laughs> I use that analogy a lot because it rings true with us. You know, some time back, maybe like two or three months ago, I got invited to just visit a church. Uh, I was becoming disorientated during worship because the person that was singing was terrible. Like, ah! I'm not lying. I'm not lying. That's how it sounded. <laughs> it was, I was like, dude. And like, you know it's bad. You know it's bad. When, when you got to pray to God to help you with patience because you want to walk out. It was that bad. I'm like, I'm like, because I know a little bit about music. I play a keyboard. I'm like, okay, that's not A flat. That's not in the key of C. That's like in the key of like X minus five or <laughs> algebra. It's not even a key. It's like, what the heck is that? It's like some weird frequency. <laughs> like 1000 megahertz or something <laughs> like the key of dog key of you know screaming dog um anyways my point though is that you ain't going to be built up in love that way <laughs> um so we have to all do our work. We have to do our work. Um, <clears throat> Amen. 
<coughs> so that means we have to figure it out. We have to figure it out. Now, I know this is pretty long. I didn't intend for it to be this long. Um, but I just wanted to give us a description of what God expects from his body. And, and the purpose for ministers and what they help to accomplish. And when we grow to... And see, I want us to keep that in mind, that picture in mind, that this is all a temple. We're a temple in the Lord. The temple is sacred. And the temple requires working. The, requ- the temple requires like being intentional to try to build it up. It's not going to build itself. Right? There's something we have to do. Now, let me, let me get to this point. Turn to Matthew chapter... Um, no, actually, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Because I want us to be aware of the fact that the devil ain't just going to say, the devil just isn't going to allow us to build comfortably. Because the gates of hell will come against us. It won't prevail, but it will come against us. Right? Right? And so, as it comes against us, guess what will come our way? Um, A lot. When Nehemiah was building the temple, guess who had come against him? Opposers. There were opposers, opposers, and posers. (laughs) So, you guys probably not familiar with that term. You guys know what that means? You're a poser. If I were to call you a poser, that means like you're posing to be something you're really not. You're like a fake. You know, when I used to skate, we were like poser. Like, we could tell who was a poser by the way they held the skateboard. If they held it by the metal part, which is called the trucks, we were like, that dude's a poser. You don't hold it that way. You're supposed to hold it to the side in the middle of the deck. That's how you held it with the grip tape towards your side. That's that's how you hold it. If, if, if the grip tape was on the outside and the, the bottom of the deck was on your hip, you're a poser. Or you're holding by the truck. And so I'm sure Kezron, you see people trying to play basketball, they're a poser. Like, well, the moment they get on the court, you're a poser, right? (laughs) So, or, uh, you know, in our own respected fields, we'll identify posers. But the point, I'm I'm being serious, though. They will pose to be someone that's genuine when they're not. (coughs) And... There's a purpose for it. They're deceitful and they're scheming against the church of Christ. Right? And so Acts chapter 20 verse 29, it says this. um, Well, let's begin at verse 25. I'm sorry. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. That's a pretty sad thing. You father to faith, uh, father to people in the faith. This church exists because of you, and they know he's going to get persecuted. And like you're never going to see me again. Verse twenty six. Therefore, I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. What is this? What is this parallel to Ezekiel chapter thirty three? When I say to a wicked man, you will die for your sin. You do not warn him to speak out to dissuade him of his evil ways in order to save his life. That wicked man will die for sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. So Paul did not cease to speak out against judgment, righteousness, and sin. Right? He was faithful to keep proclaiming that. <clears throat> Verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. 
and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This is a real good passage to show that Jesus is God. Why? Because how can God purchase the church with his own blood if he's a spirit? But God became a man. Person of Jesus of Nazareth, right? So he purchased with his own blood. And I know that after I leave... So it's normally when the leaders aren't present, here comes the wolves, right? Savage wolves will come in among you, will not spare the flock. So when the when some of the ministers aren't seen, aren't looking, um, then here comes the people that are interested in, 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 in ransacking God's people, ransacking the vulnerable. It's no different than in the world. The pedophiles and the predators come when the parents ain't looking. Right? Well, these people are predators. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So, Guess what they're trying to do? They're trying to destroy the temple. And the way that they're doing that is that they will rise up among the very people that had been numbered, just like Judas, and now they're distorting the truth. Now they're twisting the truth, or as the KJV says, speaking twisted things. What's the purpose? To draw people after themselves. Um, <clears throat> they're not looking to point people to Jesus. This is look. This is this is. Um, let let us now turn real quickly to Galatians chapter five. No, Galatians chapter three. This is witchcraft at its finest. Oh, pastor's guard. Thank you, babe. Yeah, pastor's guard. Teacher's ground. That's good. Apostles govern, or I've heard people say apostles go, because apostles come from the Greek word apostolos, which means sent one. And then prophets guide, evangelists gather, pastors guard, teachers ground, all gifts are necessary. They don't compete. They complete. That's good. Um, But this is witchcraft at its finest. When teachers or or false prophets, false teachers, draw men after themselves. Go to Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Um, this is what Paul says. <clears throat> you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What it, how does how are people bewitched? Witchcraft. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the believing what you heard? So, these people are coming in teaching that they have to be circumcised and keep the law. And, and Paul says, look, no, if any man comes to you with another gospel than the one that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If you look at Galatians chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That ex-Satanist from South Africa who looked like he came to Jesus, he's believing another gospel. And the church is so blind to receive these people. And high-profile Christians are posting them on, on, um, on their channels. Go, go ahead, brother. You're talking about the Caucasian, the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. He, he's an open homosexual. He claimed that the Jesus that appeared to him said he didn't need forgiveness from Satanism. He said that all his light, he referred to God not only as a he, but as them or a she. He's a medium and still has crystals. This is why I emphasize so much to listen to the Holy Ghost. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit will speak to you even before evidence comes out. The Lord told me very clearly, don't believe that man's lies. He, he's not believing on me. He's believing on a false Christ. I was like, wow, Lord, okay. And I'm waiting for evidence to come out. And sure enough, it came out. And so it's witchcraft. People are given to witchcraft. And they bring in enough truth to deceive you. Right? But it's a different gospel. It says, evidently, some, verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. <coughs> Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So they're preaching Christ, they're preaching Jesus, but they're perverting it. Just like we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, speaking twisted things to distort the truth of God. For what purpose? To draw them after themselves. And is it of any wonder that the ex-Satanists performed a satanic ritual when Jesus appeared to him and the ritual is for the sole purpose of gaining more influence? What happened after the ritual? His name blew up, he gained notoriety, and he got the popularity that he was originally seeking for. Before this, no one knew about him. Do you see that? So, look, um, it says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Wow. As I as we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the one what you had uh, other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? See a lot of people that are posting the the guys like that that appear to have come to Jesus are trying to win the people's approval in order to get their videos trending. But what does Paul says? He says, look, when we do things like that, who, when people boast in your circumcision, people... And so that's what the people were doing. They were coming and preaching circumcision. He says, the reason why they do that is so that they can boast in your flesh and avoid the persecution of the cross of Christ. So when people come out and dis, uh, to um, denounce people like that, that everyone's parading, guess who's now suffering the persecution of the cross of Christ? That man. And like Paul says to the Galatians, have I now become your enemy that I've told you the truth? 
Have I now become your enemy? Because I told you the truth? What does the book of Proverbs says? That an enemy multiplies kisses, but the wounds from a friend can be trusted? I don't want a Judas kissing me. Right? That's flattery. The people who love you the most will tell you the truth. They're not going to be ugly about it. They're not going to be mean-spirited. They will tell you the truth. Right? But he says, look, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I wouldn't be his servant. If I'm trying to please people, I'd I'd rather um, do something else. I'd rather preach a different gospel. Because I'll gain a very great standing. I'll great gain. You know how easy it is to become a T.D. Jakes? If you're a gifted speaker, I mean, it's awesome. Fleshly speak, humanly speaking, to speak to there, speak with these people, speak on Oprah Winfrey's channel. And you gain so much money, you gain so much popularity, you're living the good life. You know, it's, it's, it's easy. But look at, once again, turning back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, you foolish Galatians. So, Paul says, you're a fool. Paul, you're not loving. Why would you call me a fool? That's from the Greek word mornaya, that means moron. That's strong language. <coughs> but I thought Jesus said, don't tell any man fool. No, he's saying, don't speak with hatred in your heart and unjustly calling someone a fool. But in the truth, if you're not in accord with God's truth, you're foolish. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who put you under a spell of witchcraft? That you're no longer taking heed to the correction that Paul is giving to the church. You think you know everything now. You you know, the Judaizers, the circumcision sect had come in, started preaching their legalism. And now you think you know the truth of God. You're claiming it to be the gospel. But I'm telling you, it's a perverted gospel. It's not the gospel of Christ. And now I have become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth. And Paul is just trying to obey Ephesians chapter 4, speaking the truth in love so that they grow into maturity. And you know, they were not reached maturity because Paul tells them, and it's in the same book, he says, uh, he says, of whom I now travail in birth pains until Christ is formed in you. So in other words, Paul was giving himself to travailing prayer so that Christ would be reformed in the church of Galatia. So they were still infants. And look at uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, uh, let me, let me, uh, yeah, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Look at what we see here. Remember, we're talking about Acts chapter 20, that man will draw, uh, uh, will speak twisted things, drawing men after themselves. Look at the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. <coughs> so, these people in Acts chapter 20 that are speaking twisted things are manifesting the works of the flesh. 
And what's one of the indicators of the works of the flesh? We see that it's witchcraft. We see that it's discord. In other words, you were one cord and they disjoined it. Selfish ambition. Factions. In other words, divisions. What does Paul tell the Corinthian church in the first chapter? He says, there are divisions. I have heard from the household of Chloe that there are divisions among you. And he says, I am not surprised for there must be divisions among you so that those who are genuine may be manifest. So in other words, when there are divisions among the body and they're going against the body, you know what that manifests? Those who are not genuine, who are actually factious, contentious, and divisive. And so those who remain, Paul is saying, you're the genuine ones. The ones who keep causing divisions are the false. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians. And so, um, but notice though, he says witchcraft. What is witchcraft? It's when men or women speak deceitful things, even using God's name to get you away from obeying Christ. They may even use Christ's name. They may use Jesus' name, but they want to get you to obey something else or someone else. That's what witchcraft accomplishes. And so here in in the church of Galatia, the way that the Judaizers were... accomplishing that (coughs) is getting them to believe a false gospel so if they believe a false gospel they're not believing the true Jesus if they're not believing the true Jesus they won't obey the real one and so witchcraft is, is imposing a demonic will or a will of another that isn't the will of God on you because the truth of God's word is reflective of his will So if I'm preaching something false, that means that I'm not getting at the heart and the will of God. And so this is how witchcraft works at its finest. You know, Jarvis had mentioned guys who would prophesy or give words of knowledge saying, your bank account number is this, this, and this. Your phone number is this, this, and this. Your address is this, and this, this. Therefore, give me $1,000. That happens. It's crazy and it's sad, but it happens. You know, I seen another uh, a situation. I seen in a video where this guy he was just giving all these words of knowledge. Your name is this. Your mother called you this. This is what happened. And in complete arrogance, the man dropped his mic and walked out like a superstar. It's disgusting. And you know, you know how you can identify witchcraft? And once again, if people don't point to Jesus, they're not exalting Jesus. They're not lifting him up. I put something in the chat not long ago. This medium gave a word of knowledge to a woman behind the counter and said, you know, so-and-so died, this, this, and that. And then it caused the woman to become anxious, but there was no Jesus in it. True prophetic words, true words of knowledge are identifying 
things that Satan had accomplished in your life that the, that the devil tried to put as a stronghold, Jesus wants to redeem that. So a word of knowledge identifies it. Prophecy gives hope and say what God will do. Word of wisdom then gives you an application of biblical truth so you can secure that prophetic word. And it points to Jesus so you can fulfill his will on your life. That's the difference. I hope that makes sense. We're following? Right? But look at in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. I know we're reading a lot of chapters here, but I'm giving you, you know, kind of a um, a little uh, insight into what's going on here at this church. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, um, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Slaves to who? Not God. Not to Christ Jesus. So guess what they're doing? They're spying out. Oh, look at Look at what they're posting on their YouTube. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm going to catch this dude. I'm going to ambush him. <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. They're spying out your liberty. And they're saying, you're not obeying God. Come, obey our legalistic traditions. Right? But they're spying because they ain't got nothing better else to do. They don't got nobody they're watching over, so they got to spy on you. Amen, somebody? Can I preach? But seriously, though, in all serious, um, they infiltrate. Just like it says in Acts chapter 20, they come in among you, right? And and they're not sparing the flock. They want to draw people after themselves. So they'll spy out, they'll infiltrate, they'll preach a false gospel, or they'll, they'll give enough of... See, here's the thing. <coughs> here's, let, me, let me share something. Here's another thing that leads to witchcraft, is they might even have God's word... But their character is so corrupt. And so so what they'll do is they'll they'll build all that they're doing on the strength of their personality and who they are. And and their corrupt character. Right? I've seen it before. Um I, I was before I was a part of a church that I was only a part of a, like six months. And I was forewarned about it. And I already knew. It's a long story of why I even remained. I, I did it intentionally knowing what was there. I was trying to hopefully bring truth there. And try to reform it and, and stuff. And pray through and, and stuff like that. And um, But there was a man who preached good messages. But his character was so tainted. He was a liar. 
he was abuses abusive he was manipul- he was mentally abusive and manipulative towards people and so what happened was even though he would preach good sermons he would end up abusing people mentally and so people felt enslaved and in bondage there was no freedom because it wasn't about exalting Jesus and you can preach Jesus in a certain way where Christ isn't glorified. Christ is not glorified. And that's why I am afraid of people who do not pray. Ministers who do not pray. Why? Because the, 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 the level of your intimacy and your, your love for God will be measured by your contentment in the secret place. Because if you need a pulpit or if you need to be seen before men and you can't be happy to be seen by God himself, then you're, you've already messed up before you've started. Because you'll make it about you. you make it about selfish ambition. <clears throat> um, Jude chapter 1 verse 4. And so the reason why I'm mentioning these counterfeits is because <coughs> when they come in with with their corrupt personalities or their false doctrines, the church won't be built up in love. So you won't be edified. You won't you won't fulfill God's purposes and plans on your life. It was really cool, actually. Um, just recently. Uh, someone responded to my Instagram story, and then God spoke to me about the person. I, I love when He does that. Like they they just like react, and the Lord say, "This is what's going on in their life." I was like, "Hey, you know, uh, um, I'm hearing that uh, there's a lot of religious people in your life because they they wanted to rap. There's a lot. You're called to music, and there's a lot of religious people in your life that have spoken against your ministry and what you want to do." And it's preventing you from fulfilling the will of God on your life. And that person just started crying. Because there was a lot of religious people that were against rap and saying you can't do that for God. And I didn't know that after the flesh. The Lord showed me that. They broke down weeping. Why? Because they were grateful now that they can with liberty fulfill the plan of God on their life. It's pointing to His will, His ways, glorifying Jesus. And when you get religious people, they say... You know, you can't do that rap. Or we ain't used to it that way. And then what happens is the plans of God in your heart are hampered and you can't do what you're now passionate about. But who put that there to begin with? God. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants expression through your life. That's what He wants. Amen. And so what happens is religious, cantankerous people come in trying to put you in bondage. And when they put you in bondage, the Holy Spirit doesn't have free expression to do what He wants through you. Do you see that? False doctrines. Corrupt personalities. Hampering the ways of the Lord. I remember my, my cousin James, he, he prophesied over me. 
There was a man that was trying to put me under the spell of witchcraft, not through occultic things, but because of his personality that wanted to keep me in bondage because he was insecure of my gifting and never allowed me to use my giftings or ever preach. But he knew I was called as a prophet. He knew that I was called in the scriptures. And for an entire year, never used me. The only thing he only allowed me to be used by is in the prayer ministry. And that was handed to me by someone else who seen me more fit. And guess what? He never showed up. No one ever wanted to show up. But it was a big church. A huge church with about two to three hundred people and only ten people showing up for the prayer meeting. Why? Because no one wants that ministry. It's not glorious. No one shows up. It doesn't get any fame or applaud or accolade. And so, you, hey, you can do that because that doesn't threaten me. I'll just keep Sunday and I'll keep Wednesday. And I get he was the pastor. But look, the sole purpose of pastors is to say, you know what? You got a gifting. I want to put you in that platform so the Lord can use you. I'm not so insecure that I won't allow other men to speak or other people to speak or other people to be used by the Lord. It's not about me. It's about him, about his ways, about his glory, about his plans. God forbid that I should ever put you in bondage and not allow you to flourish through the gifting and the callings and the grace on your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's about Jesus. He's the head. Not me. Not a man. And so when and so the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me and said, "You got to leave." But I was still uncertain. You know, I was still uncertain. And then, you know, my cousin called me as a trip because he lives all the way in a different state in Virginia. I live in California. That's long distance. He didn't know anything. And the Lord showed him like even down to the the former gang this guy used to be in. I'm like, whoa, like the Lord showed him a lot of details like, yo, your pastor, blah, 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 is in this, used to be in this gang. He's doing this. <clears throat> He's trying to put you in witchcraft, not again, like spells and stuff. But once again, when you're controlling people and not allowing God to give full expression to what he wants to do through that individual, because I knew the call of God in my life and he wasn't helping me to do that. It was stagnating me and keeping me in bondage, stunning my growth preventing me from being used by the Lord. And so he says, God, God the, the, the people there are preventing the Lord from using you. So you got to leave. And so I was like, wow, thank you for that word because I felt that in my heart. And so that's why, um, <clears throat> that's why I, I make it a habit. You know, I allow Sister Julia to pray. I allow Natalia to pray. I ask you to pray, Kezra, and I ask, you know, people to pray because I don't want it to be me, only me. You guys need to be used. Do you see that? Amen. When there's only one man always being used, no one is ever thrown in the mix. That's because he's an insecure man trying to control people. 
I've seen this countless times, I'm telling you. I've been controlled all my life in the ministry by men that were threatened because I was younger, they were older, and I knew more than them. And I'm going to sound arrogant, but I'm not being arrogant. It's just the truth. And I was more anointed than they. For, forgive me for saying that. I'm not being boastful. I, I just know who I am in Christ. And I know what I give to the body. And it's biblical to say that the Bible says that Jesus, because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness, he was exalted with the oil of gladness above his fellows. So that means you can be anointed above other people. It says that in the Psalms. I'm not quoting my own word. I'm quoting the word of the Lord. Right? He says he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his fellows. You know how anointing comes? Through calling and through crushing. And the extent to which you are yielded to the Holy Ghost will be measured by the strength of your ministry and prayer life. God, use me. God, Holy Ghost, fill me. God, use me. God, anoint me. God, strengthen me. God, give me wisdom. God, lead me. God, Lord, pour your spirit unto me. I can't do this myself, Lord. I need your wisdom. I need your anointing. I need your direction. I need everything that you got because I can't do this in my flesh. I need you. I need your glory. I need your strength. I need your presence. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, speak through me, Father. Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Father, use your people. Use your son and daughters, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, fill them. Fill them with your wisdom. Fill them with your love. Keep them pure, Lord. Keep them following hard after you, my Lord. Deliver them from evil. Deliver them from every satanic attack, my Lord. That they would not compromise or jeopardize the plan of God on their lives. That they would, like Paul, say, I have run my course with joy. I have fulfilled the ministry that the Lord has given me. And now henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, righteousness that the Lord will award me on that day, not only on me, but those who have loved His appearing. To Him be glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll be coming to a close here. Jude chapter 1, verse 4. Jude chapter 1, verse 4. We'll begin at verse 3, I'm sorry. Dear friends. So these people, they're dear to Jude. 
dear, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, so th- there's a sharing, there's a fellowship around the true gospel of salvation. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. What does it mean to contend? You got to fight. You got to fight, my brothers and sisters. Why? Contend for what? For the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So there is not a new gospel that's going to come on the scene like Mormonism. It was once and for all delivered to the saints. It says, verse 4, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They secretly come in. They slip in. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So they don't have the true faith. Right? We're united to Christ by faith and have faith in what? The truth of the true gospel. Right? So these people are not joined. What did John say? They, 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 um, um, those that hear us, uh, the, he that heareth us hears God. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me, um, I wish I knew the chapter. But it says, those who do not receive us do not receive God. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. And he says, those who receive you receive the Lord. And that's why John says in his first letter, if they don't hear us, then they're not of us. It doesn't mean that you're going to agree with every small thing. But if on the central things, there's no agreement. Like I guarantee you, if I spoke to that ex-Satanist and said, yeah, so tell me about your salvation experience. Um, Is Jesus exclusive? Can I can I use the Quran to come to Jesus? And then we'll begin to have exclusion. Ah, what happened? I thought kingdom of God wasn't a gated community. Right? Well, it is gated. And it's gated by some defining barriers. And that defining barrier is the true gospel. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. And so... Um, let me just read one last passage. 2 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15. So remember, you know, we mentioned Ephesians chapter 4, the purpose of true ministers. We want to be unified in the faith. We want to grow to maturity. But see, there's going to be people that don't spare the flock. They're going to preach false doctrine. They're going to employ their witchcraft to bewitch you, right? To draw them after themselves. And that's why it's a... This I've said this before. If you're the author of a church split, be careful. Because it's more than likely the case that you're being used by the devil. 
I'm not talking about like a corrupt church where you're trying to draw people like to the truth, right? I'm talking about the church that loves Christ. His presence is there. God backs the the services with his presence. People are being edified, growing in the faith. And you're the author of a church split. And you're drawing people away with your doctrines. Or you're gossiping about the, the, the leaders and saying, yeah, they, you know, they blah, 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 blah. Right? I, 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 would, I would just beware. Um, it, it's similar to how uh, Jan, Jannies and Jambres opposed Moses. Right? Remember that? Paul talks about that. He says, just as Jannies and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men opposed the truth. Right? Or how even, you know, Miriam spoke against Moses. Right? And then what happened? She was struck with leprosy. And then they were saying, are we not all prophets? This is the Lord's, you know, and they were contesting against Moses. And so they were defying authority. And then uh, in, in the case of two men, the, the ground swallowed them up. And <clears throat> But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Um, hold on. Okay, no, verse 12. Begin at verse 12. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground... From under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in things they boast about. Well, that sounds boastful, Paul. That don't sound nice. Why are you trying to cut the ground from underneath people who want to be equal with you? All right, are we reading the same Bible? Is that, is that here? Right? Can I get an amen? Is, is, or, or I got a false Bible. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I, I don't know. Maybe I got a... I got a Never improved version like I'm always accused of. <laughs> right? You guys, who accused me of having the never improved version? <laughs> I don't know who told me that because I got an NIV. But, and I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> for such people are false. Apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool, since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you. Remember we are talking about witchcraft? What do deceitful workers do? They enslave you. Not to Jesus' righteousness. You are exploit or, or enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. So Paul's saying, I never did that. I never took advantage of you. 
Never exploited you. I've never enslaved you. Why are you treating me as a fool and not listening to me? You're listening to these men who claim to be wise but are nevertheless fools. He says, but if even if I be foolish, then put up with me as a fool and hear what I got to say. Amen. And then look, we'll just we'll finish this last chapter. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. Been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. In danger from bandits. In danger from my fellow Jews. In danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. In danger at sea. And in danger from false believers. Believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else I face daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. So look at Paul's integrity. He ain't self-serving. You see very clearly, he says, I have the pressures, or as the KJV puts it, I have the anxieties of all the churches. He loves these people. And so, he's trying to barricade them um, from, you know, the false teachings. And um, there, there was one other thing here. Um, I don't know where it's at, but he was talking about how he's, um, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, this will for sure be the last one, Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you received a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I don't think I am in the least inferior to those, quote, super apostles. I may be indeed and untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. And so, you see time and time again, in the church of Colossae, in the church of Uh, that Jude was speaking to, in the church of the Hebrews, in the church of Corinth, church of Galatia, there's time and time again people spying, people infiltrating, people trying to put others into witchcraft, people coming against the leadership, people trying to say, hey, Paul ain't a true apostle, you know, he, you know, he just thinks he is, and then they come in saying, claiming to be the super apostles, claiming to have the real truth, and then they begin to divide the body of Christ and try to ruin it and bring it to nothing. And so, And as, as I come to a close, is um, is because it happens so often, it happens so frequently. 
and we just recently had an instance and you you might and I'm not trying to be you know behind the bush about it we mentioned in the group you have people coming to slander us slander us saying I am saying I am of the Antichrist that's, that's what some people have said self-righteous people have said I am of the Antichrist hmm yeah right so that's what they will do they will attack they will they will try to um, separate they will try to put people in bondage right and so we have to be aware of that and especially be aware because unfortunately and sadly I'm not I'm not I may not be in the know if if there there be a Judas you know in the future that comes in our midst you get what I'm saying and so we have to have our spiritual eyes opened to identify okay (coughs) I see this we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes this is the enemy using someone and though they say that they're coming with God's knowledge or coming with truth or coming for the purpose of uh, sharing the truth really the truth is nothing more than their interpretation of it to bring it and to cause uh, uh, harm in the body Amen. Um, I, I, 